Welcome to the Risk and Repeat podcast, episode number 101. I'm Rob Wright, editor of Search Security, and I am here, as usual, with my site editor, Peter Lotion. Peter, welcome. Hi, Rob. Peter, how are you doing? Great. How are you? I'm good. I'm happy to be back in Chernobyl with okay. you, as usual. We are talking about an interesting subject today. There's a lot of moving parts to this topic. It's fascinating. We're going to try to do it in a succinct and timely manner, just because there are so many moving parts to it. But we've been talking for quite some time about the FBI's battle, the going dark effort, its criticism and its war on encryption, even as some might call it. And this extends not just, you know, it includes not just the FBI, it extends to the DOJ and other parts of the federal government. Uh, and the sort of the, the, the linchpin of this sort of going dark debate has been Apple, its, uh, its, its passcode uh, protected devices, encrypted data on the device. And this came under fire not too long ago with the San Bernardino terror, uh, terrorist shooting a couple years back where one of the shooters had an iPhone that was uh, that had data on it that they were trying to unlock. And it was a company phone that the individual used. I believe he worked for the local government. That's right. And they couldn't unlock it. And they, they ended up seeking a court order compelling Apple to uh, unlock the phone, to develop technology that would have been able to not unlock not just that particular phone, but any passcode protected phone. And the judge initially signed off on that. There was a legal battle. The FBI ended up dropping it. It was a pretty serious episode. Well, lo and behold, Peter, a new report from the Office of the Inspector General, which is the sort of the internal watchdog group uh, at the Department of, Department of Justice, they came out with a report last week that that looked at the whole sort of background of what was going on in the FBI at that time, and it was pretty revealing. At first, I, I, I wasn't that surprised by what was in the report, but the more I read it and the more, the, the deeper I got into it, I was, I got to say, I was pretty surprised, and we'll get into the specifics here in a minute, but basically the report claimed that poor communication uh, and, and sort of coordination between the different parts of the Bureau led to uh, sort of a mess within the FBI regarding its effort to unlock this phone. And the, the big takeaway, I mean, what, what was the big takeaway? It was the, the FBI's Operational Technology Division, OTD, was working with a vendor at the time that was almost 90% of the way toward a solution, quote unquote, to cracking that iPhone while they were taking, uh, not taking Apple to court. They didn't sue Apple. They went to court to seek this court order and they got it. 90% of the way. So Peter, first question, let's get into this. Were you shocked? Well, no, not really. <laughs> Be, because the FBI is a really big organization. They've got a, a lot of what they do is, is secret. Yep. I mean, they've got a maintain privacy on what they're doing and and there's there's 35,000 or so people that work for the FBI. There's a lot, yeah. There's a lot and the, and and they're all working on different projects. So if you think about your own organization if you work someplace that has fewer than 35,000 people, 
even within a smaller organization, there's always going to be left hands and right hands, sure. and not at all of them know what the others are doing. One thing that that I'm reminded of, though, is that when this first happened, when the case first um, came to light, yeah. were we not hearing that there were uh, that if uh, the FBI had acted within 24 hours, that the phone would have been unlockable without yes. any problems at all. So yes. that's you know, that's another reason why there's political aspects of this whole story which are not redounding to the FBI's merit. Right. Yeah, I should I should clarify that when I said I was surprised, I'm not surprised that the FBI was working with a vendor, and a lot of people speculate that it's uh, Celebrate or another one of these uh, iPhone vendors, but or uh, iPhone security vendors, but I was surprised that we found out about this. I'm surprised that this report saw the light of day. I, that to me is shocking. Of course, I expected them to be working on a, a, a method to crack the phone, probably at the same time that they were trying to get a, a, a legal remedy to the issue. Um, I just sort of expected that. Well, since you said that, now, now I will say that I was surprised because you make a good argument for right for right. the fact I mean the fact that they are transparent enough to, to release the report I think is a, is a a good fact a good thing yeah that we yeah. did find out I mean it's not great that we found out what they're doing but. right and 90% isn't 100% we should clarify but still and and they eventually did I mean this is the important part of the story they eventually did unlock that phone they that you know there are numerous reports that the that said that they got a vendor to help them find a solution around the encryption. We don't know what it was. It could have been a number of things. All right, next part. The, this is, to me, the most damning part of the report. It includes input from former FBI Executive Assistant Director, EAD, Amy Hess, who expressed concern that, quote, an OTD unit may have had techniques available to exploit the Farouk iPhone. Farouk is the gentleman, the, the terrorist, uh, um, who was killed uh, by authorities out, uh, after the attack, um, that certain unidentified OTD officials did not employ and that these officials were indifferent to the fact that the FBI leadership and others were testifying to Congress and filing affidavits in court that the FBI had no such capability, end quote. Thoughts, Peter? I'll go back to my first comment about how a big organization You've got all these personalities in there, and they're not—you know—they're they're working with life and death, death uh, topics and issues. They're—they're they're all very good at what they do, and they all f have high opinions of their their own skill levels and 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 sure. and, and, and wisdom and uh, you know and, and thought processes. Yeah, some of, there's going to be conflicts like this. It it doesn't surprise me. It it saddens me a bit that they're. Um, th that the organization doesn't inspire them to all, you know, act in, con in in concert and work together towards organizational goals. But you know, yeah, there's a lot of people there. You can't you can't control them all. Does it surprise you though that an EAD was not fully on board with whatever going dark and and the battle against going dark within the FBI entailed? It's pretty. I mean, I thought it was pretty interesting that that someone of, of that level and stature spoke out against this and, and was upset to the point where they talked to the OIG. That's a. I mean, that's positive 
Yeah. It's good that we have people that have some some uh, values that they're willing to, you know, to stand up for. I think it's important. And well, I, and unfortunately, I think the the FBI has over the last at least three years or so that we've been following or that I've been following yeah, the story yeah. on going dark. The the leadership is all they're lined up. You know, Comey and yeah, and now. Um, Chris Ray. Chris Ray. Yes, thank you. Rod Rosenstein. Right. Yeah, yeah, they're all getting standing up in front of audiences and talking about going dark as being a, yeah. a major issue for them. And others are too. I mean, it's not just those individuals and and that you know DOJ, FBI. Uh, I will say this: I'm going to drop some knowledge on you, Peter. You ready for this? I so am. Amy Hess. I I was reading through the report and I said that name is familiar. And do you want to know why it's familiar? Because she used to. I think I have this correct. She used to be part of the OTD, and I, she has a different position now. I think she is the director of the, or head of the field office, and I don't remember if it's Louisville or some, some other part of the country. But Hess was, was, she was sort of part of the domestic surveillance apparatus within the FBI. Chris Segoyan, formerly of the ACLU, uh, now he works in Ron Wyden's office, Big internet policy guy, internet surveillance uh, authority expert. He he referred to her as the queen of domestic surveillance within the FBI. If that's the kind of person who is is looking at what's going on with the FBI and saying, uh, uh-uh, this isn't right, and to the point where they're talking to the OIG, that to me is pretty serious. So, and yes. just to drop another piece of knowledge, hit me. Back in 2015, um, senior reporter Mike Heller wrote yes. a story about the FBI admitting to using zero-day exploits. Yes. When he uh, uh, reported about Amy Hess, executive assistant director for science and technology with the FBI, yep. back in 2015, had an interview with the Washington Post and talked about how they actually did use those uh, zero days Yeah. within the FBI. I remember that. That was pretty notable that yeah. that, that was even admitted to so yeah so interesting the plot thickens okay next point Uh, peter the oig report claims that this whole sort of dispute this mess uh was sort of it stemmed from quote inadequate communication and coordination within the bureau so basically otd was was close to a solution but they weren't talking to fbi leadership comey etc who were testifying before Congress and and going forward with this court order. And so they weren't, they, they, technically there was no lying involved because one hand wasn't talking to the other. Now, Peter, do we believe this? G- given what we've heard about uh, uh, the difference between lying and not being fully uh, truthful right. in terms of another FBI official who got fired recently yes it makes you wonder um but again it's a big organization there's a lot of different people there's a lot of different politics going on within the organization so it's not it's not completely surprising but and it and it's not you know it's not completely bad but it's not completely good yeah i i was willing to give them the sort of the benefit of the doubt as it pertains to bureaucracy but i this is the thing that really bugs me is that the oig report it's pretty clear that okay the on the day that they filed their the the, the 
the motion or, or the effort to, to get this court order, the head of one of the FBI's, you know, this this tech unit, they knew that this vendor was close. That was 90 percent. How, how do you not know that? And then how do you not go to your FBI uh, leadership and say, oh, by the way, you may not need to do this. So and so vendor is close to a solution. But then you read the report and it says that th this particular uh, uh, head of the uh, of, of this, you know, tech unit was, quote unquote, definitely not happy that the FBI dropped the legal proceedings against Apple, like that they basically said, well, we're going to give up this court order. We, I know we, we could fight it in court, but we're not going to. We're just going to drop it. That tells me that they're trying that they that they probably knew what was going on or enough people probably knew what was going on and just didn't care to me. It's hard. It's hard to give them the benefit of the doubt in this. Like you're reading the report. And I know what the OIG says. The OIG says there's no evidence that they that they knew what that the right hand knew what the left hand was doing. OK, but if you look at this like a rational adult, I don't see how you can come up with. Like, do we honestly think that the people that were working on the tech side had no idea what FBI leadership was doing? Well, the other side of it is that, again, the, the, a big secretive organization with a lot of lines of, of uh, uh, responsibility and, and, and reporting and levels of management, I imagine that there's probably things that we don't know about in terms of the, the uh, you know, what was classified who had need to know yeah is there is there even a way for the person who knows what's going on to to, to get that information to, to fbi director comey or whoever well, i assume if hess knew then other people like at that level upper level had to have known which is really what this comes down to um all right next point we'll we'll, we'll close on a couple of quick points here all right so let's say for a minute peter i like to call this segment going dark or in the dark so it's very funny right <laughs> thank you uh let's say we buy the oig's the, the oig reports version of events that the the left hand did not know what the right hand was doing and that there was no there was no lying because because the fbi leadership didn't know what was going on with an otd and the vendor and all that let's assume that's true but doesn't that speak badly about like the f like that seems pretty darn dysfunctional so does that speak to a, a, a perhaps a bigger problem within the FBI that they don't they don't know what's going on? I mean, it's I, a good I know, I know it's, again, yeah. it's a big organization, but this is the this is one of the most important things that they're working on: going dark, encryption, unlocking devices. They've told us time and time again, given the status that they've put encryption on within the organization, the fact that they don't know what's going on within their own bureau, bad, bad sign? Yeah, but not totally unexpected. I mean, again, it, what, what is the alternative? You know, do we have an alternative to the FBI? And Well, there's the NSA. Right, but, I mean, the FBI fulfills their function. I mean, they're... they're any any big organization, especially big organizations with a lot with a lot of power. So if you if you go and you follow Twitter accounts of people that are talking about military, there's people who are involved who are part of the military or who have been part of the military. Yeah. And the stories that you hear about the dysfunction there are pretty astonishing. Sometimes. That's true. 
And but, we've, we've gotten government reports. We've talked about them on the podcast about yeah. how dysfunctional some of these departments and, and uh, areas within the government are. So, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I mean, any big organization is going to have these kinds of issues. Um, th- does that mean that we can't trust them at all or that we can or do we have to just be careful about what, who we trust, how we trust and for how long? And, well, and yeah. And. We talk, we and and yeah, that raises transparency issues. Would you trust them with encryption keys, or would you trust them with a tool that would unlock iPhones? <clears throat> Good question. Uh, well, just generally, you know, going back to my to my stated position from from over twenty years ago uh, on this kind of thing, I I think that that having those tools is is not uh, going to improve. And my trust in anybody because because yeah. once you have once the tool is there it becomes a huge target and then yep. you know officials in, in these organizations no matter how much we can trust the organization and how much we can trust the individual employees there there's always somebody who's gonna you know somewhere along the line go bad I mean yeah. we see it again and again and again uh, all the time yeah in all kinds of organizations including the FBI yeah um, don't need to go into the details no, of the specifics, probably. but yeah. but the the <laughs> fact is that yeah, these things happen. It, they happen yeah on an ongoing basis, and we have to be able to protect against them. And once you put a, a you know a, a magical piece of, of of solution out there that will unlock everything, then yeah, people are going to want to get it. Yeah, and people are going to get it. Okay, last question, and we'll close on this. Regardless of whether you think FBI, like the FBI higher ups, knew what was going on within OTD and and the the, the unlock solution, and were privy to all that information, or whether you believe they they weren't, do you feel like they were using? Does does the OIG report make you feel like? I, I guess does it lend more weight to the idea that they were using this specific case because it was terrorism related to try to set some type of legal precedent? I, I don't feel like it made me think that more, but mm-hmm. I already was thinking that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, there was a lot of, uh, of, of um, uh, various different indications that there that this whole thing was was yeah. very definitely a political move on the on the part of the FBI. The, the biggest one, like you mentioned, probably was the fact that they had a to- like that window immediately to to unlock it or to, to re- I guess get it through the backup. Was it the iCloud backup? I, I think it was iCloud. Yeah. Yeah, it's strange. Uh, I, I I will say from my own point of view, I thought this report again the mere fact that it may, that it, it it saw the light of day um, is surprising to me. And it did sort of. I, I was already in your camp. I think they're using this as a legal or, or trying to use this case as, as a legal precedent. I this pushed it. Over the, to the point of no return. There's no coming back from my position now after reading this report. And I, I encourage readers to to check it out and check out um, Michael Heller's uh, Mike Heller, senior reporter, Cert Security. Uh, his story that sort of summarizes what's in the report and and how people are, are, are viewing it because there's a lot of details in there that obviously we can't get to in a 20 minute podcast. But highly encourage people to to check it out. Yep. So, Peter, thank you for sitting down with me to. To try to and trying to keep me honest with the time limits here, we're, we're trying to trying to get to a lot in a short amount of time. But I think we did okay. Yeah, we did okay. All right. Yeah, uh, it's a work in progress. It is a work. <laughs>
much like apparently the FBI's uh, communication within its uh, various divisions. So, uh, Peter, thank you for joining me, as usual. Always good to be here. And thank you to the readers and listeners of Search Security. I'm Rob Wright, and we will see you next time.